Also in New York, uh, and uh, uh, amidst quarantine here in 2020, uh, and lots of technical uh, issues to wrangle all by ourselves, uh, I have uh, been able to get set up here and connect with Jillian Margot in New York. Jillian, it's so great to see you. How are you? I'm well, thanks. Good to see you too. How are you holding up? <laughs> it has been a challenging year as it has for everyone. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, it's funny, we go back to the spring and you think, you know, I was ready. I'm like, okay, this is going to go on for a while. And I'm just, mm -hmm. gonna, you know, be set. And I started the food delivery and I stopped going to stores. And all good. Oh, yeah. and then we had chaos on the streets yeah. uh, and at bringing the important issue of, uh, uh, racism, systemic racism, and, and summary execution to our attention. And then we had this chaos of an election and right in the middle of it all, right? The constantly still looking at this coronavirus. So, you know, yeah. I was ready for the long haul, but I, I'm, I'm getting tired, man. Yeah, it's how, really how been piled you? on this year. Yeah. yeah. How about you? And how have you gotten through Ooh. all this? Um, you know, it's really been... Uh, I think we were ready. I, I was certainly back in the spring saying, okay, this is going to take probably a year. Mm -hmm. You know, let's just, <laughs> I think as musicians too, we tend to be ready for whatever because, you know, we tend to be impacted maybe by an economic downturn pretty, <laughs> um, pretty quickly, Front you know, in this yeah. business. Yeah. So, so that's something that, you know, we're used to being pretty uh, flexible about and prepared for, you know, if, and uh, so that's something that, you know, I was, I had steeled myself for, but um, certainly, you know, the nice weather came and we got used to kind of being at home and doing things remotely and that was cool. And then as soon as it started to get cold again, it was like, okay, this is getting hard. You know, we don't want to spend all our time outside, you know, I need to focus. And there's been a lot of focus on music, um, you know, obviously releasing the, the new album at the end of October, you know, fantastic. And then trying to figure out how to get, you know, live performance or, you know, what would typically be the tour schedule, you know, to uh, audiences, you know, how to promote this, how to um, kind of work with that momentum going forward, you know, given mm. that everybody's still at home and doing things remotely. So that's, it's been a real challenge, but um, I've learned a lot and uh, I'm really just trying to focus on that positivity, you know, of, of learning and creating and um, mm -hmm. we're managing, you know, good, it's, good. it's I'm, going I'm, all right. I'm glad I, I'm impressed with the resilience and, you know, we would always talk about, uh, you know, here at Ropa about, you know, I was already amazed at how people could travel the world and continue to make music, you know, in the, in the most challenging of circumstances. And then, of course, the circumstances got a lot worse. And, I, you know, I'm 10 times as impressed. The number of people that are 
just just keeping on keeping on making music and and, and, yeah. and under these circumstances so you know and what is really wonderful about 2020 is that i think that fans uh music listeners are making that connection more it's more present oh, yeah. in their minds uh mm -hmm. what you are committed to and what you're doing and it's more present in their minds how much they we need music and musicians and entertainment uh, yeah. and beauty. So, um, let's talk about the piece about, you know, how we're going to, how you're going to navigate, uh, 2020 and 2021, and then we'll work backwards to talk. Okay. So <laughs> you just mentioned that you have something that you've recorded in quarantine. Do you want to talk about mm -hmm. that today? Yeah, we can talk a little bit about it. Um, I did at the end of October, just right after uh, power flower was released. Um, you know, I thought, let's uh i wanted to go into studio so i contacted as many of the the cats who are actually on the album you know who are in town as possible and we all went into a studio um just outside of the city here in new york and we um we you know masked up and we spread apart and we performed um kind of live off the floor which you know, really presents a lot of challenges when you're inside a small space. And this is a very large studio room, but it's still, you know, you have a ceiling and it's, this is not an auditorium. So sonically, um, it was a real challenge, but we managed to uh, get it, you know, video recorded and audio recorded at the same time. And, and um, I think we got some good material. And the idea was, you know, I looked at the fact that when this all happened and we got shut down in the spring, I looked at all these dates that I was had in progress, you know, of I was in progress of booking or ones that were confirmed tour dates that went well into, you know, spring of 2021 that just mm. got canceled or postponed and then postponed again. And now they're going to be postponed again <laughs> mm -hmm. and thought I need to find a play a way to replace those, um, you know, do something about this, because, of course, you know, as a performer, it's shocking, like, we live for not just the creation of our music, but that connection with the audience. And mm -hmm. I've done a couple of streaming live shows from home. And that in its in its own way is really special because you realize that you really are connected to, you know, hundreds of people all over the world in that moment, which is a bit a bit mind blowing. So there's, you know, there's I have a real appreciation for that as well. But it's different because you don't you know, you're not seeing people's faces, you know, you're not hearing the gasps or the hush of the audience or the applause, you know, that sort of thing. So it's really bizarre to perform to, you know, a couple of camera guys and an a studio engineer who's, you know, behind some glass, you know, 30 feet away. Um, but the thing that we noticed was, you know, I, I kept saying to the, the guys in the band, man, you guys sound fantastic. I'm really getting this pent up COVID energy coming out because, you know, we'd all been in quarantine right. and we hadn't been playing, you know, as often um, with each other in the same room, you know. And so it was incredible. There are some performances that are just like, wow, just amazing, amazing that we captured because, um, you know, we, we, we almost took flight a couple of times just cause it was wow. like, we needed to get it out, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's really exciting. That's really fun. And, uh, I'm looking forward to being able to share that. Beautiful, beautiful. So, uh, we'll, 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 uh, we'll get some notes in here, uh, about how people can find that in the future. Yeah. It, it did occur to me that, you know, I mean, we, we've been online, uh, you know, on zoom all year connecting with people and we found that it's really beautiful. But the one thing that 
I miss is ambient noise. Oh yeah. You know, and, and the one speaker thing, you know, somebody needs to make a, a sort of a, an ambient, uh, cross talking situation inside <laughs> zoom. So we can, so I'd love to be able to hear two people talking 20 feet away while, I'm, oh, yeah. you know, all the things that you complained <laughs> about that artists complained about in the small clubs, you know, could That's everybody right. please be quiet? Yeah. Like, like well, they're quiet now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're quiet now that you just muted them. That's right. Um, so that humanity is missing. So oh, yeah. let's go all the way back. Um, Power Flower is a wonderful record, and we've spoken Thank you. Uh, a couple times about, uh, you know, in, in depth a little bit, track by track. But um, I want to back up, actually, because there's a question mm -hmm. that I thought of while you were speaking that I forgot to ask. Okay. When recording, um, in general, is it most difficult for the vocalist? This is just a question for me to understand. Uh, uh, live? With, with, yeah, with, with, you know, to, to hear themselves, do you think? Uh, in studio, in the situation that I just described where we were in, yes. In fact, oh. it was a nightmare. <laughs> but like, it, you know, it's, it is difficult just because, of course, we are going to be when you when you have drums and you have acoustic instruments they have like a nine foot you know steinway <laughs> so when you have a couple of beasts you know in the room uh, instrumentally speaking um the voice is going to be really rather quiet and of course you don't want to amplify in the room because that is going to then bounce off of all the walls and everything else it's just going to be a wash and that was what was happening in this case um we had some acoustic instruments, some of them were going direct feed. Um, and uh, I could have done, I could have worn in-ears and been direct feed, which is uh, sometimes affects the way that I sing. So I'm not a big fan of that. Wow. Um, one thing, if you're live on stage in a theater, because you still hear it in the house, but when you don't hear anything in the house, it's really weird. Um, mm so to have that kind of when there's acoustic instruments as well that you can hear in the room so um because they kind of drown out what you're hearing so anyway i i had a particularly difficult time using minimal monitoring um in the room and uh you know just the volume generally the band got to be so much just acoustically that mm -hmm. there were actually a few tunes where i really couldn't hear myself so you know that's where those are moments where you recognize like this is where I find out how good my training is. Right. Yeah, you're, on, you're <laughs> and, online. You're on the line. How, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and how good my uh, my technique is, how good, you know, my hearing, like my pitch is. So it's actually kind of surprising. It's like, you know, you are you're on the line, probably operating on, you know, the thinnest part of your adrenaline at that point. And um, listening back as I have, you know, sort of a ton at this point through the mixing process, just trying to get a good balance. Uh, for the band and hearing, you know, all the flaws, because I don't like to really correct things too much. So it's, it's pretty raw. Um, it's, uh, it's revealing. But the, the thing that I was pleasantly surprised was that my pitch was actually pretty good most of the time. <laughs> you know, I joke, I'm like, well, it's, it's good most of the time. But I think given in a live situation, if it's not, you know, people can, people can deal, if I can deal, people will forgive me, right? So are you, are like you of that. the school? 
I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, Go ahead. No. Are you of the school that I mean? There, there's 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 the passion and the energy that that's coming from uh, vocal performance or any performance for mm -hmm. that matter, and then there's the perfection, mm -hmm. the craft itself, right? The pitch. Mm -hmm. or, or which, where where do you lean? Oh, a bit of both. I'm a real stickler for pitch, but I don't. I'm not a fan of like auto tuning just because. Mm -hmm. I can get really, I can go down a rabbit hole with you here, I won't uh, too much, but um, I'm a real fan of like the acoustic, you know, pure pitch. Then we also have like an equal tempered, uh, you know, equal tempered instruments like piano, okay? Which I should even just say like a keyboard, okay? So like an electric instrument that's equal tempered, you know, even tempered, if you will, you're gonna get kind of a flatter sound. You're not gonna get that acoustic you know, frequency that then is going to be a little bit different. Um, a violin has a pure pitch, you mm. know, versus a keyboard um, because a grand piano or a, an acoustic piano, you know, as it goes out into the air, that changes, you know, the frequency uh, makes it a little bit more pure. So the voice is the same, but once you, once you start trying to auto tune it um, after the fact in post-production and, you know, you can do it a little bit, you can do it a lot. Eh. You know, it depends on how much time you have <laughs> and how much, you know, how, uh, I guess, how perfect you really want it to be. To me, it starts to sound less authentic, and I that really bothers me after a while. Um, yeah, a lot I... of my f favorite recordings are older recordings, you know, where, like Motown recordings or um, where, you know, things are a little bit off. And it sounds yeah. wonderful, you know, because you do get a sense, as you said, of that energy and um, that authenticity, so. The humanity, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's gotta yeah. be a, for me, there always has to be a mistake in it. I, or, or, <laughs> or, or I, so I lean completely the other side. I mean, I, you know, I mean, so that's why, I, that's why I could listen to people like the Grateful Dead or punk rock because, yeah. you know, I was, I was looking for the energy. Um, yeah. So, Let's go back to the beginning. I want I want to get back okay. to this. I want to get to the songs and and the things that okay. you uh, that you um, that influenced you. But let's let's start at the beginning. Uh, where where are you from? Uh, I'm from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Toronto, and yeah. you started singing young. Or can you paint a picture? You know what what's okay. Like all right. Well, what's singing little... came to me a lot later. Um, on a professional level anyway. I, I think I'm a bit of a late bloomer um, in a way. I actually was raised uh, very well-rounded, but musically, um, my household was fairly musical. Uh, no professional musicians in my immediate family, but everybody played piano, everybody could sing, everybody could read music. That was just hmm. part of what our family, you know, had. Um, to do for fun how each of my parents grew up and I took it for granted absolutely took it for granted <laughs> thought everybody could do those things right. or at least you know read and sing and uh, I'm a trained classical pianist from you know when I was very very young I don't really play classical piano so much anymore I later um, began kind of experimenting and getting away from that and trying to do uh, you know improvisation and unpack the classical training that I had on piano but that's all later. Uh, I came from also a dance background. So uh, when I finally did get into singing, it was once I had actually already gone to university, um, not to study music 
or arts at all, really. Nothing mm. in the fine arts. Um, and uh, my first, I guess my first university job was actually singing. And that just came by fluke. Um, I met a big band leader, jazz big band leader, who... I don't know how, but through conversation ended up inviting me to come in here as band rehearse and they didn't have the vocalist. They hadn't ever had a vocalist and he decided he wanted to hear me sing. And wow. I said no many, many times before I eventually thought if I say yes, he'll leave me alone. And I got up and I sang and he kept asking me to sing. Um, how did he know? So I don't know. I think it was maybe just we spoke about music. And maybe he liked the sound of my speaking voice. A lot of people say that to me, you know, you sound like a singer, you speak like a singer. And mm. I never, I, I would understand that if I, you know, as a professional vocalist now, who's gone back and trained and, you know, I'm mostly self-taught, but, you know, I've had some training. And when I think about other vocalists that I admire who are professionally trained, that makes sense to me. But at the time I really wasn't. Mm. So I don't really know what he was thinking, but whatever. I mean, the rest is history. I ended up, um, he ended up asking me to perform with them on weekends. And I was in my first year of university thinking, I don't have time for this. And, you know, our first meeting, he gave me a stack of sheet music like this and said, learn these wow. tunes. <laughs> and uh, I thought, well, you know, it will help me pay for some of my tuition and stuff. So I did that. And a couple of years later, I actually um, made a huge change and transferred universities and went into a music program, auditioned, got in to a jazz program and studied voice with uh, piano as my secondary instrument. Wonderful. And uh, yeah, so that's that's what I did. And the rest is pretty much what you see. <laughs> so the songs that um, and your performance style and the songs that you're choosing um, are they are they at odds with the with some of the influences that you had growing up or like how do, how do you get there from here um, or here from there is what I want to say. Yeah. yeah, I think honestly, these are probably more accurate out of all the recordings that I've done, which aren't many. Um, this is probably the most authentic in terms of style and repertoire choice to what my real musical influences were. Um, hmm. And I think, you know, my training in music was formal, but what I was hearing in the house and listening to just as a kid, you know, growing up in the 80s, and it was, this was, you know, I was listening to whatever was on, you know, radio <clears throat> and what MTV was playing and where much music as we had in Canada. And uh, it was a lot of being Canadian. I think we got a ton of. I'm, I'm sure you know you guys did here too. A lot of of, of Brit rock, um, a lot of too much. You know, new wave. <laughs> um, but I also, you know, I listened to a lot of R and B and a lot of. Um, I grew up listening to a lot of calypso and a lot of Motown and a lot of disco and jazz um, so, and also a lot of classical and opera music so as i said re really very well-rounded but um this was more kind of like what i grew up being interested in as me as a kid mm -hmm. and that stayed with me yeah maybe maybe uh, maybe what hit me was not so much the songs themselves but 
are you presenting them in a in a in a style that predates the style of the song like they they seem so almost like of a classic era like you're kind of you're painting vocally a picture of something as a classic which i don't think most people are fully viewing as classic yet does that make sense which tunes yeah i mean it depends because some of these tunes are pretty old um like black is the color of my true love's hair is you 70s, know 70s right no it's well it's it's actually like a public domain it's a super oh, old okay. folk tune got it um gaelic like tune <laughs> okay so, so that, that one 100 classic yeah absolutely and um and yes it was then uh you know covered by like um nina simone mm. um and i want to say although i could be incorrect in this am i thinking correctly i think uh roberta flack as well mm. um although i've listened to so much of her that i maybe can i always wonder sometimes am i just imagining that she worked she covered this uh and uh you know power flower is 1979 um journey through the secret life of plants that's okay. stevie wonder um one day I'll fly away, you know, Joe Sample, Will Jennings. I want to say that that was 80s. And I know that Layla Hathaway and Joe Sample did a recording of it together in maybe the 90s. But um, so they're not, you know, no super new. To Layla, I went back and listened and I prefer your version. Oh, <laughs> wow. Thank you. Because, you know, everything she does, I think, is incredible. But um you know she could sing happy birthday and that would that i would be set but uh and we then her, i'm sorry to interrupt we owe her <laughs> a great debt here at, at oh yeah, yeah <laughs> the the one grammy that we that the that someone on the label has won hmm. was with layla on the track so awesome yeah. awesome um and uh now is where you were which is like you know aka when it was now wayne shorter that was I want to, that was from Weather Report, self-titled album. And I want to say that was 1980, maybe. Yeah. So that's all pretty much right in the same pocket. And then there's the original stuff, which is obviously newer. Um, but uh, like, you know, the last two, three years, maybe. But I guess what I'm, what I'm, you know, what's, what's hitting me is like the album and the songs are, and what you do is presented kind of in a way that that I used to see, you know, back when. And and I don't want to diminish vocalists today, but back when, you know, vocalists, especially female vocalists, were sort of, you know, really idolized and 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 prominent. And I'm I want to go back to like the '40s and, you yeah. know, '30s, '40s, '50s. So like, there's a certain I can't put my finger on it right now, but there's yeah. a certain something about the way that you present these that takes it to a, a, I guess, a classic era in my mind, you know. And if I had to, if you know, if I had to guess when those songs were, I would, I and I didn't know, I, I would be saying that they're from the '40s and '50s. Strangely enough. Wow. Yeah, uh, maybe. Um, maybe because I do consider myself a jazz vocalist, and so that's a big part of you know my. Mm. Mm -hmm. the way I think about how to present these. I think part of it too is perhaps the fact that I'm thinking of how do I reproduce this live? <laughs> so it has to be feasible, 
you know, because I like I mm. like to try and recreate something as close to you know as as the re the recording as possible. Mm -hmm. I go back and I redo, you know, I go back and I do um, uh, backing vocals for myself, <clears throat> you know, and because uh, you know I always say I'm I'm the cheapest choir and I'm also my own cheapest horn section. <laughs> So, you know, for example, when I wanted to put horns on certain tunes, I just sang the parts, you know, um, and so that kind of thing. It's like, well, I might then not be able to have, you know, that horn section. Ideally, great. You know, there's that in the budget. But if I'm touring, you know, that's rare. So um, maybe there's one backing vocalist, you know, so there has to be something where if I don't have any backing vocalists, it's okay if it's just me, it's going to sound all right. Or, you know, if there's only one, then backing vocalist, then that's still going to sound kind of like the recording. So maybe something like that, as opposed to, you know, a lot of things that are newer are, are um, get pretty complex in post-production. And, you know, my concept of complex post-production is probably not really, <laughs> not so much because I'm thinking about, you know, being able to perform it that way live. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, do you want to talk about the band a little bit? I, I, I know we've we've chatted before, yeah. but I'd like to have it on, documented in this, yeah. this call. Um, yeah. Let's run them uh, down. I'm all having right. a little trouble getting my notes here with the... No problem. Back and forth. So I'm going to rely mm -hmm. on, 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 your, on you to lead it off. Sure. Um, let's see. We've got... Whew. Well, let's start with a special guest. I have uh, trumpeter Ingrid Jensen on a couple of tunes. Um, we do what I consider to be a bit of a duet on Black is the Color of My True Love's Hair, which I absolutely love her performance on. Um, and uh, she, I think, brings like a an amazing gravitas um, to that tune. And she actually kind of bookends the album. So she's on the first track and the last track, also on Shadow Box, which is an original tune of a very, very different style. And uh, she just kind of grooves along you know, with the jam that's happening on that tune. Um, and uh, so I'm really, I was really thrilled to have her. She's a dear friend and um, was really happy to have her energy on this album. Um, Do you have solo music out or? Does she? Yeah. Just oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, quite a few. Uh, she's, she's kind of everywhere, you know, once you start looking, that's what happens. <laughs> You know, um, I also have uh, Maniango Jackson, who is um, well known for his work, of course, with uh, Stevie Wonder mm -hmm. over the years. Um, and um, he plays percussion on Power Flower, given it's a Stevie Wonder tune. I thought that was a no brainer. And on This Night, you know, which is sort of a slow jam. And um, my experience with Maniango was that when we were living in Los Angeles, uh, I had done a couple of gigs, um, instead of having, you know, a classic drum kit, I wanted Maniungo just to have percussion. So I had, um, you know, piano, keyboards, bass and percussion mm. and myself. And, uh, it really allowed for he and I is a different kind of interaction, you know, and I love, I love drummers. I love some drumming, you know, <laughs> but with percussion and with his entire vibe, it was really cool because he does like vocal stuff and, you know, I just trust him. You know, usually when I hire 
um, musicians all the time, not usually. Whenever I hire a musician, it's because I want them to bring their personality and their expertise and I'm trusting them. You know, I've heard what they can do and I don't like to like give them a lot of direction or, you know, give them an arrangement that's, you know, super detailed. Um, I like to just kind of see what they bring to the table, especially live. So we had some really incredible performances uh, in uh, in Los Angeles where I just absolutely fell in love with every, everything that he did because it just changed the shape of, you know, tunes that I had performed um, in those instances that were, you know, recorded with drums. And so it really changed my idea of how those tunes mm -hmm. could be presented. And I love that. So I really wanted to bring him into this project, uh, if at all possible. And again, was really um, delighted that he was, you know, down to do it and excited to do it. So, um, yeah, really love what he brings to this night because it's really just kind of an excuse that tune for me. It's just an excuse to kind of groove and to jam <laughs> and to showcase the band. So there's a lot of a lot of that happening, which uh, for me is is probably my favorite one just to kind of hang back and listen to. So, um, so far, you've mentioned it for, for both of the people that you've mentioned. Um, and I know you say you, you record the songs as you, as you want them to be live. You want that to be as close as possible. But mm -hmm. you, you've mentioned this, this, this back and forth. I'm, and I'm getting the sense of it's duets and collaboration all the time. Yeah. Um, how much improvisation is in that? Like, how, how do you balance out the, the, the Ooh, song it's... and this is the improvisation part? It's not like um, regular jazz, right? Where it's like, okay, go. Or is I it... think it, I, I mean, I think it kind of is because they do have like, here's your solo, okay. you know, go. And you hear a little bit of that, for example, in Black is the Color of My True Love's Hair. I come in and I sing, you know, the first chorus. I think I sing the tune once through, um, uh, you know, with, with melody and lyrics. And then uh, Ingrid plays the melody after that. So she does her own thing and she just plays the melody because I thought that would be so beautiful and it is. Um, so in that way, it's not really traditional in the sense that instead of just saying, just blow, you know, over mm -hmm. this, what we then did, which maybe is a little bit unique, is we both, we, we improvised together mm -hmm. um, and just sort of saw what, what would happen. So that's the third chorus is the two of us kind of improvising together, which I thought, you know, worked out really lovely. Um, and then after that, I come back in and I sing words again. And, you know, it, I kept it probably that's the most sort of inside form of any of the tunes that I typically do, because um, there isn't like an open, as you as you said, in that particular tune, there isn't like an open, okay, you solo for a while. But when we get into, you know, some of the other stuff, like One Day I'll Fly Away, I think that's probably presented a little bit more typically as a jazz tune where it's, you know, here you go, now it's a drum solo. Um, the, I think the solos on that one are actually just, uh, I want to say, I think it's voice. I think I blow first and then hand it over to um, BK, to Billy Kilson to do his thing. Mm -hmm. um, but even still, you know, when I'm scatting in my chorus, you know, he's kind of, there's a call and response happening between he and I, which mm -hmm. I really appreciate. So um, that collaboration is always there for me in jazz. I mean, I think it is generally um, when somebody is uh, improvising and they're during, you know, their solo, they're feeding off of what each other band member is giving them in that moment, right? And for me, I live on that. That 
Uh, I think we all do, you know, I don't, I sure I can come up with ideas, you know, on my own if I'm listening to a recording, but if I'm actually in the room, you know, with those cats, whatever's happening in that moment, that's the exciting part is what's inspiring me to sing whatever I'm going to sing. It's giving me the ideas, especially um, in that instance, rhythmically, you know. This, this is what fascinates me so much about, about jazz. I mean, and, and all the musicians that I, that I chat with, um, there's a certain model here of collaboration and cooperation and interactivity between humans uh, that I think is a lesson for the world. Uh, we, we see the other things. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've seen, uh, you know, jazz bands where the solos were basically competitions. Some people have re referred to them as blood sport, you know, uh, mm -hmm. and, you know, that's human too, you know, putting your ego out on the, you know, on the stage um, to see if you're better than the, than the next soloist. But, uh, yeah. but it's, but it's what you're getting to of this sort of like, let's, let's flow and cooperate and see what we can build together and it takes it's you know christian scott mentioned to me it, ta it takes like just to get your ear and i wonder if you agree used to being able to hear other people like that's a mm -hmm. skill that you learn to be able to hear other people in the moment and express yourself and in conversation even you know i'm horrible at it I'm, i interrupt all the time because i it's, i can't <laughs> listen long enough to, to and, and hold on and remember my idea to, to put it out there. But that's, that's what I'm hearing. And I think it's beautiful. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with him, you know, it's, um, it's that, you know, hearing, it's like when you're sitting in a restaurant, and you can hear all the different conversations, like, I'm one of those people, it's a little bit infuriating, where I can, I, I can actually tell you what like these people are talking about and those people are talking about and I can still be tuned into what you're telling me and I have to make a real effort to just focus um, and uh, I yeah <laughs> that's kind of tough for me um, just to focus on kind of one thing you know I can usually pick up on everything else that's happening at the same time and uh, sure you know that's probably a music training situation for sure or a, a symptom of being you know a musician um, it's a great collaborative life lesson as well mm -hmm. in my opinion um, so uh have we missed who, who else in the band have we yeah missed? so uh who else we have jeffrey keezer on piano um yes. and uh this came on the heels of of you know, I had been working with Jeffrey for a few years, kind of touring live, and then he asked me to be uh, on his um, trio album that was released a couple of years ago, uh, On My Way to You, and I sang maybe half of the tracks. And we were just, you know, working together a lot. And um, as we were, you know, I was touring with him, I st we started slowly, you know, I would like incorporate some of my tunes you know some new arrangement you know and then we'd write something together and we'd incorporate that into the into the material to just you know try it out um and it just really just got to the point where he was a, a big part of you know <laughs> the compositions he was part of the arrangements um and there was you know so much uh of his style of playing you know that i you know, was used to at that point and thought, you know, just it's a no brainer to have him be a part of it if he if he could be, um, which is often challenging because, you know, he's he's on the road a lot doing his own thing or with other people. So 
uh, decided that that would that would make you know the most sense to be to try and loop them into this which you know ironically now um having done this recent live recording he's not in it <laughs> he wasn't available for the <laughs> Really? Yeah, say, for the now. Yeah. No, but you know, but still so busy with other projects as we all are, you know, different different challenges, new things. So I actually have a different pianist. I have um the wonderful uh pianist keyboardist um Andy Ezrin on on piano for the the live recording and uh or live video recording, I should say. Um which is pretty great because it's actually it's, you know, it's a different thing, but but uh, they're actually um, a couple of cats that are kind of, they sometimes play in the same bands, I think, you know. Um, so it's, it's kind of interesting to hear, you know, what each of them has to bring. It's a little bit, little bit different, but also, you know, both very, very versatile players, of course. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so that's kind of interesting. But, yeah, um, to have someone who is, you know, such an iconic composer and arranger um, in... Uh, involved is pretty awesome, you know, for me, uh, of course. And um, on bass, Richie Goods, who uh, I've worked with a few times, is on my last album, Black Butterfly, as well. Yeah. Um, so, really, I've been working with uh, him since I think before I even came to the US. And my relationship with Richie just stems out of the fact that he is such a unique bassist. He has such a fat sound that I adore. Um, but he really has his own thing that he does, improvisationally speaking. Um, you know, you ask for him to solo, and it's probably unlike most bass solos you've heard. <laughs> and uh, you hear him on Power Flower as a feature uh, on this album. and. You know, you just get like a, a, a really unique musical experience um, on electric bass, which I really appreciate, you know, coming from him. So, you know, he and I seem to have just a good synergy um, musically. So I, I tend to um, drag him along for a lot of my projects <laughs> and he seems to be on board. So we like that, you know. Beautiful. Yeah. And uh, I have two drummers on this um, album. And that's kind of unique, but um, I'm happy that I did it this way because I ended up with, you know, a couple of different feels. Um, Mark Whitfield Jr., who um, is a really, really cool drummer who, like, has this spatial sort of uh, feel about a song, I think, anyway, in my experience. Um, that I really like, and it's, it's kind of hard to pinpoint, but he kind of brings his own vibe to everything that he does. And it was perfect for me um, to have him on uh, Black is the Color of My True Love's Hair, um, because it's sort of that washy, as I say, uh, I sort of talk about the style being kind of like mid-60s Coltrane, you know, Love Supreme mm -hmm. um, kind of vibe. And uh, also um, on this night, which is again, just kind of like a really laid back, you know, kind of slow jam situation. And that's that's very much his personality. Um, so <laughs> I guess it makes sense that he'd be on there uh, on those tunes. Um, Billy Kilson uh, is on um, 
the other five tunes and his style is more complex and it's very thorough and precise and that is kind of you know reflected really um it's 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 kind of neat there's a lot more sort of you know precise interaction and we have a different relationship where we have that kind of a a history live so um, yeah you tour with billy right yeah yeah gotcha gotcha yeah I like so, to yeah, it's, oh, go on. It's cool. Go ahead. Sorry. I like to to you know one of the usually an ending question for me is you know what's next for you. Uh, I'm hesitant to ask it these days. Mm -hmm. um, we've already talked about the video, but I guess you know what what are your hopes and are, are you able to? Are you even making plans for 2021 at this point or writing new music? Yeah. Yeah, there are some, uh, there's a couple of things. There is um, uh, already um, a new album in the works. <laughs> That's That's um, have you been writing? I have. Uh, I am a little bit, um, but I'm, I'm kind of on, it's like, you know, one album in the works, there's probably two albums in the works, and I'm trying to decide, is mm. this, which one am I going to do next? And I, I actually think I might do, um, there might be an original or two, but... I'm really leaning towards wanting to do something um, a little bit more traditional and because I haven't, mm. frankly, I really haven't. And, um, you know, people have been asking, like, when are you going to do just like some jazz standards? <laughs> when are you going to? And I will perform them live, um, but I haven't recorded a ton of those, you know, in that way. Um, so working on arrangements for some new tunes, not necessarily all jazz standards, um, <laughs> might be some later stuff, might be some original stuff, but really uh, focusing on, um, you know, some of my more direct influences and their compositions or songs. Um, and so that's kind of in the works, uh, probably gonna have a particular arranger i'm i'm thinking i might have a, a particular jazz icon do the arranging for me in this one so that it has a particular sound so uh without revealing too much i'll say that they and um plenty of intrigue right yeah here. <laughs> i'm very yeah. excited yeah. yeah so there's that and then of course just more immediately um there are some actual concerts uh, on the on the books that I don't know will remain to be seen if those are actually going to happen, if they're going to be virtual, if they're going to be in person, um, mm -hmm. with or without an audience. I really don't know. Uh, so it's kind of up in the air. But you know, we keep um, you know we keep doing what we can do, which is we keep. Uh, there's always the hustle. There's always out there, you know, putting yourself out there and, and, you know, making yourself available and people keep expressing interest. Um, I know that there's some workshops and masterclasses and um, kind of pre-recorded shows that we're doing and putting out there yeah. uh, for different venues. So, you know, great. we'll see when the transition might happen back to normalcy as we used to know it. <laughs> yes, we're all waiting. Uh, and I wish you uh, luck. I can tell that you are you. not uh, hiding and hiding away. You're, you're being productive and, and, and yeah. creating beautiful things. I'm inter yeah. interested to hear what you yeah. have next. Uh, I want to uh, quickly say for the purposes of streamlining the editing, uh, that Power Flower is out. It came out in October 2020. Yes, that 2020. 
and uh, <laughs> it's at jillianmargo.bandcamp.com. Uh, please support. Uh, Jillian, thank you so much for doing what you do, for delivering beautiful music uh, to, to us and to the world, and for joining me today. Thank you, Lewis, and thank you to everybody at Robodope for doing what you guys do and helping get the music out to people, those people that we miss seeing in person. <laughs> we miss that love and energy, but we're always grateful for that support. So thank you. You got it. Thanks, Julia. Do you